The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there. It's all very exciting, but it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com It's the Custard TV Podcast. Hello. I'm still Luke. I am every week and I've decided to keep it the same this week. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Matt in the North. Hello. This one's a big one. Uh, a weird one today, I should say. It could be a big one. I don't know how big it's going to be. But... <laughs> An odd start to the day. <laughs> but it's a weird one because Gary has had to go into hospital for the operation he's been waiting for. So when we got that news, first thing we did was say, hang on, we need to know what you think of call the midwife. So at some point you will hear the dulcet tones of the London person, uh, but it's going to be spliced in, so it's going to be a bit... However, um, if you've listened to Matt's Desired in Dramas, which I'm sure you have, it's a podcast we did over the summer when there was very little telly on, you should know that Matt is... Or did or does have a degree in what's the degree in? <laughs> film I don't studies. know. I, 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 English yeah, or film, film studies. What's the outcome of that? What do people do with that? Um, Work at the post office. I've also got a teacher training thing which I don't okay. use. Okay, so that's good as well. As we record, he's just—he's just basically calling me a failure. Is what Luke's just got me on the line today, just to poo all my life choices. It's, it's a fun one, this one. Luke, hey everybody, here's our star, Gary. I've never heard of him before today. And Matt, he's a professional. Talking telly. Try it just for one week. Just try the program for one week. This is the Custard TV podcast. The Oscar nominations are out. Oh, I wanted yes, Matt's take on some of the nominees. Matt does write for his own film blog, which we've never supported on this podcast before. No. And hey ho, I might even remove it from the edit. But we'll, we'll <laughs> say it. Um, it's everynominee.wordpress.com where I discuss every... Well, it's it started with Best Picture nominees, but it's sort of gone into sort of Best Director nominees as well. Films that have been nominated for Oscars. This is so not us. We've never no, done this before. I know, this is weird. But, but I feel a little weird. dirty, like we're cheating so, on TV. So the best picture nominees I have seen... Well, I plan on seeing... I've seen one. I plan on, <laughs> oh, I plan on seeing like... another one. So that's my contribution. I've seen five of them. So these are Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hello High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea and Moonlight. Hello High Water, should that be in there? All I know about that is 
that it looks it's like an old fashioned western. Mm. Oh, well, I thought that because I I saw that. Oh, it must be like November time now. And then when it started to get like traction as an Oscar film, I was like, mm, mm, you know, it's 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 that? middle of the road. <laughs> is that using I'm your gonna degree? Give it, I'm going to give it another watch. But yeah, it is very. So, that's probably why the Oscars of uh, voters have gone for it though, because it reminds them of the old sort of. Like it's almost a bit sort of Bonnie and Clyde esque. It's about two brothers who rob banks to pay for their family ranch, which is sort of being taken away from them, and they're being chased by uh, Jeff Bridges' um, U.S. Marshal, who's who's a day away from retirement. Luke. Oh, isn't it always the way? <laughs> oh, bless him. He needs to get his sleep. And he's been nominated as well, Jeff Bridges. You, we've both well, seen La La Land. Most in La La Land, I was in the hairdressers today, not the barbers, the hairdressers, and there was a woman Super next. Cool. No, not quite. So there was guy. a woman. We'll never get this done if you just keep mentioning <laughs> all the hairdressers, you know. There was a woman sat next to me in her own chair, not on mine, because that would have been weird. And uh, she said to her hairdresser, What's this La La Land I keep hearing so much yeah. about? What is it? What's it all about? And they know that I do this TV stuff. So they said, hey, what's La La Land about? Because you do TV stuff. I said, no, it's a film and it's a musical. And they said, oh, I don't know then. I said, well, I don't like musicals and I enjoyed this. And then they went, oh, I'll give it a watch then. That's a great It wasn't that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought there was more of an anecdote in that than there was. Yeah, there wasn't really, wasn't there? I liked it. And I enjoyed it, but I don't know quite why. And I didn't yeah. quite know how to describe it to tell them what I enjoyed about it's it. It's sort of like I'm a sort of fantastical sure. tale. about again, this appeals to the nostalgia of this the is older old Hollywood. Voters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I read an article about this about mm. um, the sort of people who vote for Oscars, and they sort of divided it into five categories. It's like people who, you know, films aren't as good as they used to be. There's people who are like the technical side of things people who like issue based things, the actors who make up the bit the biggest proportion of the Academy and they um they like ones that have got sort of stand up performances or good stuff from ensemble casts and it sort of almost ticks all La La Land almost ticks all those boxes apart from the social issues. As soon as they asked me and I said I enjoyed it mm. and they said, Well what's it about? And it's very it's just about Ryan Gosling yeah. being a jazz pianist who can't play the music he wants and Emma Stone being an actress who who can't get roles despite being blooming good in auditions, mm. and it's not despite an easy being one. Emma Stone is what. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> just it's a really it's a it's one you've got to see really. Mm. But the, and, the problem is, it's had I mean, a hype now. Yeah, and thing and then things happen. It, it takes place over the course of a year as well. We should say maybe that that's yeah. a year in in LA about two people who aren't quite there yet, but or almost there, if that makes sense. Anything else that you've seen that you want to give a quick mention to? Because well, we will never do the Oscars again. Manchester by the Sea is very good. Moonlight has its moments, but I found the structure of it sort of affected the narrative of the. It's sort of a three act structure. The same character played by different actors and, and sort of characters flitting in and out. Arrival, uh, I really enjoyed. It's sort of an intelligent sci-fi film. And I haven't seen the other four yet. I haven't seen Fences um, or Hacksaw Ridge or Hidden Figures or Lion of the four I'm yet to see. Now, let's go over to us, joined by Gary, for some of the reviews. 
Okay, for this bit of the podcast, Gary's here, and we couldn't let him go off to hospital without knowing his thoughts on the return of his favourite show, Call the Midwife. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, funny. it's not midwives you're seeing in hospital, is it? That'd be. I don't be... think so. Though, no. If I do, I'll say hi. There'll be some in the hospital, probably. But... Yeah. <laughs> if Charlotte Ritchie's there, she can come and visit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, we haven't got long, so what did okay. you think of, of the return of it? You want me to well, set I, up or yeah? Go do do the setup because I think okay, it's important. You've got time. So yeah. so the, there's um, a new sort of regime at Nanata's house. We've got um, Sister Ursula, um, who's been with them since they um, were in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with the sort of the gang who were in South Africa coming back and and realizing that things have changed and this new sister she's uh, a bit harsh. You know she she takes away the um, television makes meal times a little bit less fun and and the big story in this episode was there was a um an expectant mother as you always have whose uh husband had just come out of jail and you learned that he was a bit of a a bit of a wrong uh, he, he certainly certainly had gang ties didn't he, he gang got ties. A, a new car and everything you know he wanted his son to his son was a bit sort of geeky and he had like glass, glasses and an eye patch and he wanted his son to learn how to box <laughs> His son reminded me in the sixties. His son reminded me of the kid out of uh, Jerry Maguire. I was thinking Maggie from Trapped. Oh, we don't talk about Maggie enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other thing was uh, Sister Mary Cynthia. She basically went a bit crazy, didn't she? A bit cuckoo. I I thought this was a wonderful way to reintroduce both sets of characters. The spin-off series I'd like to see is Sister Ursula running the clinic with only the few midwives, uh, because obviously, you know, she must have really made herself unpopular uh, in a very short space of time. They're clearly trying to make her that she's going to be the baddie, but equally, she's also got a very logical and and softer side to you know when she's yeah. interacting with the little boy all throughout the episode it's like no no chocolate biscuits no television no fun and yet when there's someone in need all that goes out the window which mm. is the right way to do things i don't know i really i mean a lot of people have said the only thing that I, i've read a few people saying the episode tied itself up a little too nicely mm. Uh, a lot of them don't, do they? Uh, I mean, the only thing that was the sort of sour edge was that Mary Cynthia, the doctor, said, oh, she needs to go to this sort of community in Birmingham well, with her mental health. And then um, Sister Ursula carted her off to the mother house, as it were. Don't you get the impression that nuns look after their own? I mean, this is kind of like... <laughs> but what I they, love they, this. <laughs> as an impartial listener, I love this. Medical care versus spiritual care, I suppose, was the argument. If yeah. she'd get better help from the community that Dr. Turner wanted her to go to, or from the um, the the nuns who who haven't got the uh, medical mental health training but have got the sort of spiritual guidance that she might need. Um, sure. Also, also there was a, a couple of sort of subplots in there. Your favourite Charlotte Ritchie was uh, learning to teach pottery. Great pottery throwdown. Yes, yes. Yeah. Second series of the Great Pottery Throwdown. Uh, Mrs. Turner found out she was having a baby. Patsy got some news, didn't she, from her father had had a stroke. or No, he was paralysed, wasn't he? I thought that was very interesting that they decided to bring in that little sort of riff between her and that nurse. You know, they're kind of like... Yeah, I think her name is. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether perhaps we're going to come back to that because it didn't take much for her to get off my bed, I want to go... You know, it was very... She had a very short fuse for that relationship. 
Well, they they had the thing where she lost her memory and couldn't remember who she was for a while, even though yeah. they because they were what lesbian. About, lovers, what about the domestic abuse side of things? Was that? I thought that was really <sighs> that was well done. Th- I thought yeah. that was well done. I, I thought it was done really well. I mean, they did two parts. One when he he wanted to basically have sex with her when he came out of prison. I thought they like, were nine months pregnant. Marital rape. And and then basically, uh, instead of going to his eye appointment, the dad took the young boy to the boxing. Um, and afterwards, when they brought the midwife and sort of stopped it, you know, and, and, and stuff like that, she he locked his wife in, in a room and she was about to give birth. And I think that and he's, was the better... he's, uh, put a lit cigarette out on her just before she gave him birth. And yeah. he as well, that was the thing. He, he was sort of suing for custody, even though he'd never had any relationship with his children. You know, she was trying to change the locks. And then they were saying she abandoned. The, well, she left the children at the police station, didn't she? And yeah. they were saying how she could be arrested for abandonment and stuff like that. <laughs> the whole thing shows you how it was skewed against. So Apple Tree Yard was a sort of a thriller, should we say? Like a. Yeah. It's a, known a as a, another thriller. spy domestic thriller. They want to put as many names before it, the word thriller as uh, they can. Starring Emily Watson and Ben Chaplin. They meet, uh, Gary, is it like a government building? Where are they? It's, where the house they... Of oh, well, I, I, it's a house of parliament. It's the House of Parliament because oh, they're, right. in a select, they're in a select committee. There was a bit of a hoo-ha this week. Apparently the House <laughs> of Parliament refused them access to film certain scenes inside the Houses of Parliament because they were going to do sex scenes and the Houses of Parliament didn't think it was appropriate. They basically meet up for several liaisons in public over the course of the episode. She's married to uh, lovely Mark Bonner and she sort of doesn't know much about the Ben Chaplin character. We don't really get to or know. Or anything, his name yeah. or anything. And yeah, that's a good point. Episode, we didn't get his name. She just refers to himself as X, doesn't he, in the emails. And by the end, she's having sort of a full-blown affair. She learns that he's a spy. Um, well, no, she thinks he's a spy because of what it, he says he, about the He camera. says he's like a civil servant, doesn't he? But he's very coy about it. And then she ends up getting raped by a co-worker. See, Luke, this yeah. this I thought would wind you up because we got the... Uh, got I know. Of, uh, I know. The courtroom to start off with and I the... Know. The stay with us. Now, I said to you in in a message, I, I said at the time, I, I didn't like the characters. And you said, yeah. no, you're usually the one who says that and you'd have a go at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think what I meant more was that I didn't believe in their world. I don't think I belonged in that world, if you know what I mean. While I was watching it, I, I just yeah. didn't feel part. I know what you mean by that. Yeah. They were all like rich people. They had big jobs. But then at the same time, they were complaining, oh, my life's unfulfilled, you know, mm, like me having mm. an affair with this man. And, and it just yeah. felt like, you know, you've got enough already. You know, why do you want more? And This is a four-parter. Everybody in it is good. I agree with you. I don't really care about their world either. But I think it's intriguing enough and it moved at a pace that kept mm. me interested. I, don't, I, I disagree with the pace. I just well, thought... I, I liked Emily Watson. And I liked yeah, the I, fact that I agree. Was, I, I agree. I liked the fact that it was something different for Sunday night. The things I didn't like about it, because it was an adaptation from a book, there were some really clunky lines in there that are obviously well, lifted I... from a book. As I said to you, on page than they do on screen, I think. In that message I said to you, I think it targeted at the sort of Fifty Shades of yeah. Grey sort of community, the yeah. mummy porn community. I mean, I don't want to sound like a prude, but there was no. a lot, a lot of rumpy pumpy in there. No, there was. <laughs> this whole thing to me was like a setup for the the the, the proper show. This felt like the backstory to what the, the the last five minutes and what we're going to get. You know, this whole thing where 
she basically is describing her affair. She's writing it because she feels she can't talk to anybody about this. She's writing it to herself, I suppose, or to him, but in an imaginary way. But it's like a plot device. But it's a very weird one. Now you've got to the last bit. And of course, you know, she's in, in you know, she's in court. You know that what comes next will be better. Do you think TV should be doing that, though? Do you think we should have an entire episode like stick with us? This is the backstory. This is the prologue, especially as we've only got four, because surely you're trying to entice viewers rather than just say, like, stick with us. This is what's going to happen. She's in court and stuff like that. I can only I can only make that judgment when we get to the end. Why should I have to wait till the end? You know, I I should be in because it's about this because it's an adaptation. Yeah, that's the thing before when people say, oh, it takes a few to get going. And you think. Well, that's for, like, American shows, isn't it, where you've got a season of, like, 13 or... This is a four-part series. This is a mini-series. I know we haven't talked about Endeavour yet, but look at Endeavour, how it builds and falls and, My my theory... Do you want to hear the theory, then, was um, I don't have a theory, so... Ben Chaplin's character kills the guy who's raped her at the end of this episode... But then he disappears into the shadow. She tries to say... Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows who he is, and she gets sort of tried for the crime. Of, of I, do you want to quickly do Endeavour? Yeah, shall I quickly do my um? Yeah, my do your Endeavour of, of the Week. Okay, so... Um, Especially, oh, shall I just say, what I, shall I just yes. say quickly that, Gary, you're going into uh, to hospital today, aren't you? Ten. Don't get bed 10. If I get bed 10, you'll get a text, all right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come get me! This is all set around Oxford. Is it called Manor, Manor Hospital? Mm, yeah, now. I can't remember the I name of the husband. They start off very, with a very sort of innocuous um, start in that they're investigating a death at home of a, of a patient of a patient's wife who passed away himself about a month ago. Mm. There doesn't really seem to be anything too suspicious about it, but there's a parrot and uh, some broken <laughs> crockery. <laughs> or is it a cockatoo? They're escorting a patient who is uh, turning against his yeah, former like gang members and they're looking after him in, in prison, they're sort of guarding him. And the third sort of off the side thing is that uh, they the the, uh, the superintendent has a does he have a stroke or does he yeah, just oh, yeah, 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 he has a stroke, stroke. Mr. so Bright. he ends up in hospital as well. And he also found uh, Joan, didn't he? Is the other thing that's right. Yeah, so um, he's having, he's he, he went off a... to Leamington Spa and found the phone box, which uh, he got a phone call from at the end of last week and managed to trace her down. Mm. And and there was this wonderful moment, wasn't there, when uh, he got to the got to the stairs, turned round, had no idea how Joan was making her money, and some bloke stood outside her door with a bunch of flowers, took his wedding ring off, and then went into the flat next door. Mm-hmm. That was a wonderful little moment of, like, you can see Morse processing, almost like you could see his thoughts as he was standing there. I thought that was really clever. And we should explain um, the bed 10 thing, really. <laughs> there are these mysterious deaths taking place in the hospital, and one of the patients sort of says to Morse, oh, it's always bed 10, and it appears that it's got something to do with flowers. and it's on the bed, isn't it, when they're before That's a new right. patient? In a, in, a, in a very, sort of, again, strange twist, we had a female killer again. It turned out that uh, the younger doctor had previously... No. Uh, oh, no, uh, sorry. No, 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 no. the on. younger doctor had yeah, previously... Yeah neglected um, a patient who in hospital who died because he was having a bit of housey father with one of the nurses. And, and it was her cousin who ended up being the murderer. She trained to be a nurse to get herself into a position where she could frame this guy. It, was, it was all very good. She was everyone with insulin, wasn't she? That was the That's thing. Right. She, she was injecting everyone right in the... bed 10 with insulin yeah. so it wouldn't be seen in the bloodstream or something like that. That's right. And also all the patients in bed 10 were under his care, which is how Morse kind of got there to to sort of see it. The key things that I think are coming out of this episode, obviously the Joan Thursday angle. We still got we also got plenty of stuff with um, 
uh, uh, Thursday and, and his wife. Yeah, Mrs. You know, Thursday's that, having a bit of a mental breakdown, isn't she? Well, that's right. In, in a link to call the midwife, she's having a bit of anxiety and depression as well. The tarot cards, very mm. important for the next episode. Yeah. Uh, we have no idea why, but the woman turned over uh, the death card. So I'm assuming that we're either going to get the death of a major character or at least an attempt on somebody's life. And I'm guessing we're going to get some resolution to the Joan Thursday storyline as well, yeah. please. There we Gary can head off to hospital now because we know his views on Call the Midwife and uh, Endeavour. I mean, you're not really going to be tweeting about your hospital experiences, but if you want well, to wish did... him well. In Periscope last time. Well, no, I didn't. Did, he... did I do in Periscope in hospital, did I? Yeah, with yeah the you did. The violin man. That was because I couldn't remember how to record video. <laughs> okay. So and let, I tell you what, to... I won't be periscoping unless he comes around again. That'd be weird. Uh, <laughs> at, at, <laughs> at the Gary Show, if you want to um, just send Gary uh, your best on Twitter. Okay. Well, back to us with more podcast. Shall we talk about um, Unforgotten? Yes, we shall. Now you might need to help me with this again because I have seen the third you've, and the fifth episode. You skip forward one. I, I, skip forward. I can't blame you. I can't blame I, you. I've almost skipped forward again because I'm. I've got episode Ooh. five open at the moment. Ooh. <laughs> this episode we learn about um, Rosie Caviero's marrying Kelsey. Her sort of link to um, the the deceit. What's his name? Is it Walker? Something Walker. Daniel, David Walker. David Walker, or as we call him, the man in the suitcase. Before we start, actually, I I I know. Well, this links in. I would just say. Uh, so we found out like when <laughs> what she was. What are you on about? When she. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll come back to my original point in a minute. But we found out that Marion Kelsey was sort of a bit of a tear away when she was younger. Um, did she break into her own house, her mum's house? They were away on business, and she broke in and had people over. And we know that she was involved in a protest. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this brings me to the point I was going to make. Oh, I was it, looking forward to it when you started in, it. I, I, I started to notice, I think this was when I was watching the fourth episode, that in the opening credits they've got certain sort of visual clues to certain things. I, I noticed that as there well. Is a, there is a scene of people with placards in the opening sequence. There's a suitcase in there. Like cocaine on credit cards, obviously a link to all ah. the, you know, the drug taking. See, I spend and... most of the credits just singing the theme. I know, but the big thing is the final shot is of a tent, and as far as I know, there's nothing yet that they've sort of linked to a tent. So that will be. Um, and also in this episode, um, we had Adi Akhtar's character Hassan find out that um, his wife, uh, Sarah, uh, used to be a prostitute. I thought the performance, the, the scene they had together in the car was absolutely tremendous. It was really nice and underplayed and mm. just, you know, that, that is, it was not done for dramatics. It was done with dignity, which I really, and, like. I and that's thought, what Unforgotten does yeah. a lot. The actress's name, I've got it here because I'd forget it otherwise, Badria Tamimi. And I thought she was fantastic. And she has actually been one of the standouts for me. I know she's the one of the four that we don't really know because um, we've not seen her in anything before. But... She gives quite a chilling performance, mm. actually, because if we skip to the end where it cuts yeah. to Rosie Cavallero meeting in the pub. And this was one of those moments. It almost felt like the end of the first episode of The mm. Missing when, when yeah. he went, but that girl was not Alice Winston. Yeah, It's like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like a real revelation moment where you don't know where Rosie Cavallero's character is off to. She goes to the pub, they open the pub door, and they're sat around a table waiting for her. Are Mark Bonner's character and... Um, Badria Tamimi. S- yeah. Sarah and Simon. Sarah and Simon. No, not Simon. No, Simon. Colin. 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 Cyrus looked... At- we started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of DIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The, to the camera and to Rosie Cavalera's character is so chilling. It's mm. like she gives you the impression she's a completely different person to the one you've been spending the first three episodes with. Well, that's what I took away from that yeah. scene. And, and the also, idea yeah. that, that these people aren't just connected but have been in, co- in cahoots with one another all this time or at least during the investigation now uh, and have met up really sent the chill down. Because I thought when I was watching it, you know, they're going through all these people have got secrets and it's obviously going to affect their lives mainly for the worst like it did in the first series and I was mm. thinking... Where can they go that they didn't go in the first series? And then, oh, all the characters know each other. Yeah. That, that it's really... interesting how TV conditions us mm. to presume that because we've seen something once, we know... Ex- and of, of anybody who should know that that's not the case, it's the three of us. But even yeah. we are guilty of thinking, oh, we know exactly what this is. I mean, some characters in the first series of Unforgotten a few years ago turned out to have quite inconsequential yeah. even they all, word that exists. they all knew the the murder fix they were all in a, like a book or something weren't they like an address mm. book that yes. they found and the fourth episode without giving anything away does bring in some really sort of controversial themes obviously we already know that um he was assaulted by one of his teachers when he was young and mm. apparently the only people that knew was one of his friends and that he confronted the teacher himself uh, himself yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does take a turn in episode four, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what you think of it. I wanted to talk a little bit about Rosie Cavallero and say mm. that I've never been a massive fan of hers. Um, I used to, in the early days, when she was doing more comedic stuff, I'd often get her and Jessica Hines mixed up. Mm. Right? Um, and so I didn't really, you know, credit her much. And then when she did Prey, I sort of saw that she could do... Yeah, I um, thought she was good in Prey. 
and I didn't really warm to her at the beginning of this, but mm. the scene between her and Nicola Walker was one yeah. of my fa- favourites of the episode and possibly one of my favourite scenes of TV this year. And I it, thought the scene with her really and, the, and the young girl in the pub as well was quite good. Mm, that was this episode, wasn't good. it? Yeah, it was episode <laughs> three, yeah. Yes. No, that hasn't <laughs> happened yet, Matt. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, that was episode three. I feel bad because I I never really gave her the credit that she's so clearly deserving She was quite of. good, actually, and I know you didn't watch this. I think it was Banana rather than Cucumber. That was the E4 one, wasn't it? Mm, mm. She was very good in an episode of that. The scene mm. between yeah. Where her she was and very Walker. antagonistic. Because I thought that was the first sign, Yeah, and it's another nod to the greatness of Chris Lang's writing. It's another sign of her showing a different side to us as viewers. She was really on edge. You really believed she was uncomfortable and be, as you say antagonistic and I thought really good scene and, it and then yeah when she yells at her, her mum and sister on yeah, the phone and... on the answer machine who is he uh, his name was um, David Walker he ran a small chain of clubs in the 80s I've never been a clubber myself no me neither music's always too loud mm. for me <laughs> uh, we've spoken to your mum and sister she seemed to think that you might have been living in her house at some point in early 1990. Did she say I broke in? Well, she did, yes, actually. My father was on a lecture tour of America for three months and I was temporarily homeless, so... I had a key, let myself in, stayed there for a few days, if that's breaking in. Sure. As you say, it, it couldn't have been her that gave that address out because she was abroad, so could it have been you? Sure. Oh, OK. But you don't have any recollection of doing so? From sometime in 1990, no, sorry. Okay, no problem. Uh, So your mum said that you left home in about 1985. Yeah. And you stayed in London? Yeah, various places. And was 32 Smoke Lane one of them? I was there for a while, yeah. This was the address, in fact, that you gave after you were arrested in 1988 for assaulting a police officer. I never assaulted anyone. At a demonstration in North London. Policeman attacked me, I was defending myself. For which you were found guilty at Horseferry Road Magistrates Court and fined £100. You look like a smart woman to me. I'm sure you couldn't be so spectacularly dim as to suggest that a police officer from the 80s... Well, fuck it, from any point in the last 50 years, actually, couldn't have lied. I'm not sure why you're being so defensive, Mary. Being defensive because I was on a perfectly legal march, exercising my right to protest, and I was assaulted by a police officer, and you're now trying to imply that I have some kind of violent past, and and that, (laughs) therefore, I must be connected in some way to this unfortunate man's tragic death, and I find that annoying. I'm sorry. Are we done? So I have a very busy ward. Sure. Great, nice to meet you. And you. And if we need to speak to you again, we'll be in touch. I'm particularly guilty of of thinking we know where something's going to go, but mm. I suppose that's where the shocks come from, though. Yeah. Because if we're expecting that's how you shock, write proper yeah. shocks, not like yeah. the cheap ones that you got in Sherlock. This is how you write a proper TV drama with proper characters, and it strikes all the right balances. I like all the characters for various reasons. I think Mark Bonner was brilliant. I think Rosie Cavallero was brilliant. I think the actress's name I've forgotten again. I apologise. 
is brilliant. I just think it all works. There's not a there's not bad, a bad cog dream to Mimi. Yeah, there's not a cog that doesn't work for me. And the partnership between Sanjeev Bhaskar and Nicola Walker just works. <laughs> I tell you what, it almost feels like we are, and this is obviously complete rubbish. But to me, when you watch them together on those more background casual scenes, you almost imagine that just just them chatting as people. Yeah. It, that's that's why it works so well for me personally. Another drama with Champlinning, of course, is No Offence on Channel 4 on Wednesday night and Unfor- Unforgotten being 9 o'clock on Thursday on ITV. No Offence being Wednesday. Can you walk us through Ep 3? The pool scene I loved. The pool that's, scene was brilliant. That's, that was right at the end. Um, yeah. Big revelation in this um, episode was that the... The family that uh, Dinah rescued from the flat, the, the little girl wasn't their daughter, but was yeah. another of the care home kids that Nora had working for them. And we also had um, the, the introduction of her lawyer or lawyers. With I the, love that. Is so, the deaf lawyer. That is so brilliant. I just think you, there's no other show that could do that. And you just think how brilliant. My favourite bits of this, we had Joy still... Um, Still coming to terms with the yeah. death of the young girl who she subsequently found out was seventeen rather than eighteen. Alexandra yeah. Roach was has really grown oh, in the. Um, I mean, I loved her in Utopia, but I thought the first series she was. You struggled with bit, her in this, yeah. initially, didn't you? I think her Mancunian accents come on a bit now. In the first series, she was struggling to let the Welsh go. I I thought the scene where she was having her investigation. I thought she was absolutely excellent in that. I was absolutely with her with that. Did you notice the scars on Charlie Fegan's arms? No. And had he slept or had any kind of rest prior None to... None of us had. It was a gang war kicking off. Can you please quote to me Article 4 of Code C of the Police and Criminal Evidence Act? Um... Can't remember it. I can't, can't remember it, sorry. No pity. If you had, you might not have found Charlotte Fagan strung up by a radio. strung up This now. isn't semantics, Inspector. You're baiting my sergeant and you're disrespecting a young woman's death. Did you at any point ask Ms. Fagan to confirm her age? No. Are you aware that Charlotte Fagan was in fact 17 years old, not 18, as she claimed, and therefore should have been assigned an appropriate adult? No. So when she used words like, I can't go to prison, I just can't, did they sound like the words of an adult or that of a distressed young person begging, may I say begging, for help? I wasn't overwhelmed. I quizzed Charlie Fegan on the facts. She got aggressive and I matched her so as not to show weakness, as I was trained to do. Had I not just been through a 36-hour shift from hell where we had to deal with a bomb, gang war, uh, one of my colleagues, well... My best friend, actually, who nearly died in a fire, then then I might have checked the electoral register in order to verify her age on a whim. But who would? 17 or 18, I will never forget finding that young woman strung up, as you so eloquently put it. So you can throw all the hindsight you want at me, sir. I did my job. Side plot was brilliant. It was a side plot where uh, this guy robs what he thinks is a bank, and um, 
Oh, I just loved it. And somebody pretends a, to be a paramedic. It was one of the... A, what's the actor's name? He's one of I the... He's one of those faces. James Corden's mates, isn't he? Was he in Gavin yes, he's actually, he's, yes, and he's in the annoying adverts that James Corden does yes. now. Yeah, That guy. He came in as a paramedic. He got the copper, I think his name's Jonah, to use his um, stun gun as the guy yeah. who was... He was holding up the pub that used to be a bank, had a yeah. heart attack, used his stun gun to revive him. And then afterwards, Jonah learned that he was posing as a paramedic. It turned out that he'd had relationships with a lot of older women who'd given him money and food and things like that for, for his company. And in the end, they got him on using the... Because um, it wasn't a crime to pose as a paramedic, but it was a crime to use the, the light. Siren. The siren. The siren. Yeah, just brilliant. That actor's name, by the way, uh, who who was in the History Boys with um, yeah. James, with James Corden. Corden, Andrew Knott. Okay. So he's, he's done a fair few things, yeah. actually. Uh, bit of this episode that I really liked was the bit where they were questioning, was it Kerry, the woman who was in the in the flat? Mm. Mm. Um, and Viv was saying about, oh, I know what it feels like when you can't have kids and you know, you, you think about what they're going to look like and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And she came out and, and Diana gets her something like, well, I didn't realise she felt like that vision. She said, no, it's all rubbish. Should we go to the pool scene at the end? We, Paul Ritter revealed that the um, Manny wasn't the the biological son of Upjohn, who is the actor patriarch who died in the funeral. And she presented him with this sort of DNA results while they were having a pool game for for their very for their respective cars, which was really well done. You sort of knew that Viv would win that pool game, but it was still well done. It was almost choreographed. I just yeah. love the way they did it. Also, yeah. looking up Andrew Knott, he's got yeah. form for this. What he did in uh, No Offense because he played an ambulance man in the Lady in the Van. Did anyone check up on him there? I don't know. <laughs> that rhymed but, as well. Ambulance yeah. man, Lady in the Lady Van. In the van. I didn't even <laughs> say that's how poetic of a soul I am. <laughs> I could have written La La Land. <laughs> uh, two things worried me, because we sent you off to that screening and you came back with, it's about a crime family, mm. which worried me a little bit. And then you came back and you said, they think they've toned it down a bit. And mm. that It felt like bit. it, didn't it, in that first episode? It did feel that way. But then now they've sort of got to go, it's all about Nora Atta now and her use of these care home kids. Anyone who found um, Viv Deering to be... Just so unbelievable, and and not of this world. I think what Joanna Scanlon does with that role mm. is quite remarkable because, in one way, she can be quite cartoonish, and in another way, you believe Down her completely. Earth, yeah. What I've, what I've come to like is the world that No Offense mm. inhabits, and the fact that I think I said it last week that. Anything could happen. And but you see, I believe in that world more than I believe yeah. in the world in Apple Tree Yard. Yes, I don't somehow. buy into that world. I buy into No Offence, even though it is a little bit... I could buy into that guy in like the opening scene of him in the in the pub with the shotgun and everything. And Yeah, I think it's because they're, they're just better drawn. You just mm. believe them because of the people who inhabit them. Nine o'clock, No Offence, uh, Wednesday, Channel 4. Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Good the last drop. From thecustardtv.com. Do you want to do um, EastEnders, Bus Crash? So what EastEnders did here is they, they took all the stuff off. There's no pictures of this online for sites like ours. 
there's no previews for us to watch. But then they sort of told you there was going to be a bus crash all the way through that episode until there was a bus crash. Well, uh, I thought the... they signalled it the day before when, or the, you know, Friday's, at the end of Friday's episode when Kim said something like, you're dead to me. You're dead so... to me. The problem is EastEnders goes out of the square so infrequently mm. that as soon as they do, you go, oh, something's going to happen here. It lacked any real impact for me mm. at all. Apart from when it hit the bridge, obviously. Well, if it were me, I would have wouldn't have had all that preamble stuff. You know, we have the preamble. No, no, no. I would have just them in the market talking like they did, Mm. and the bus comes screeching in out of nowhere. You wouldn't have had them on the bus. No, because I think the the interesting thing as a viewer would have been discovering who was on the bus. But I think you needed it because of the Denise thing, I suppose. The fact that she tried to steer the bus to safety and she tried... You know, she was the one who noticed... Doing her Sandra Bullock piece. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, detached more from the show than I should be at this point. I don't know. My favourite storyline was them going for a photograph. We know, unfortunately, that Babe's going to be all right. Thank God for that. This is what I was worried about when I saw that online this morning. Do you think they'll kill anyone off here? We know Lee's leaving, don't we? Yeah, and but the difficulty they've got is they can't the really kill him. They can't really kill him off and then not have Kelly Bright come back for his yeah. funeral or whatever. That would be peculiar. And the other thing is that they've just had two major characters die. I think someone's probably going to end up in a wheelchair rather than anyone. They've already got three wheelchairs on the square if that happens. Have they? They'll have Jane, Donna, and whoever oh, the Jane. next person Oh, Jane, yeah, I was trying yeah. to remember. I know Donna. Maybe it's just a sign that I'm not as invested in the show. I mean, I do like Bex. I think she's a good character. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I feel a bit bad for Tilly Keeper, who plays... Louise. Louise, because I don't think they've ever given her anything no. to do. It feels too soon to do something like this when you've got still Jack moping around, you know, trying to... He's now he's now not going to go to Onga. Oh, thank God! So my idea for a spin-off of uh, Onga and Upwards uh, is not my Jack spin-off show, which isn't going to happen. What now. about Onga and Onga and Onga again? <laughs> yeah. but this will all involve him going to Onga at some point. I don't know what the point of it is, mm. really, because all the pictures I've seen for next week look like everything's going back to normal. So. You've got Phil worrying about Ben moving out with Jay, so obviously if he's got that on his mind, Louise is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all and then, little... like, if you've got the stuff at the pub, then you think Lee's going to be all right, because Johnny was caught up in it, wasn't he? Johnny sort of stepped out of the minute mark. I don't know whether it was poorly done or whether I'm just so unattached to the show mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, I still like, I have to say, I'll stick up for EastEnders here, because I do like the sort of smaller stories that they're doing. I think this is almost like a reaction to people like you who are saying, oh, it's not dramatic enough now, it's just, it's it's normal life, it's just conversation. And I, I like that about EastEnders. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want it tacked on, I don't want this. Mm. My worry is they'll do a story like this, and then two weeks from now, they'll be doing other stories. But why do you think that EastEnders has to be doing, like, big... I don't, think it, I don't think it does. I think what it does, what it's doing now, is it just lacks the character and the grounding that it had a few years what, ago. What I'm, not even, I'm not even going as far back as Dominic. I'm going yeah. further back than that, saying there's just not 
the variety in characters. There's so many characters that you could just get rid of without even noticing their departure. I know that they're trying to tell a very important story with with mm. the Carter's character, but but I don't know. It's maybe no, I I think yeah, I think the car- the actor definitely. I mean, the actor and the character. I just think. Certainly, whatever his name is, the actor Danny Boy or whatever. I don't, I don't rate him as an actor really. I just think, I think he's very poor, and the sooner he goes, the better really. We do know he's one of the last ones that the current exec producer is getting rid of, unless there's sort of some surprises this week. There are things that I really like that they've done brilliantly. Mm. I think the relationship between Stacey and Martin, whenever they show that, is a hundred percent believable. There's no way I don't believe that those two characters fit well together so that's fine i still think all the ian and jane stuff works i think they're solid i I liked all the stuff with denise as well i think i i think diane parish is such a good actress Mm. i just i think she's brilliant and i think it's an interesting story to tell about the the adoption and stuff and having a baby late in life and things like that steve mcfadden has done some incredible Mm. on-screen work of late and i think anyone who watches his thunders would agree with that i just think I think new Michelle, I know it's early days, she hasn't worked for me. I don't think they had a proper plan for Kathy. I don't know why No, I agree with that. There. I just wish the characters had a bit more depth to them now. It's one of those things where, as you say, like a new executive producer comes in and he's got his favourites, I suppose, and people like, you know, the Carters and people like that aren't top of his agenda because they were big yeah. with the previous executive producer and that's the thing about a show like EastEnders where you have the same person like working on it for two years when that person leaves there's a reshuffle and I think we're still in that reshuffle period at the moment and I don't think they've done a very good job of the Ronnie and Roxy stuff because it's like the only person that really cares is Jack and I didn't really believe that for nobody's really paying close attention to the fact that they've gone but I suppose that's the current exec's way of saying Sayonara, girls. I didn't care. Uh, I didn't, yeah, I don't yeah, really care yeah, about you. Never liked you. The way they died was such a... And, and sorry, this is going to sound like a pun here, but a damn squib. That, oh. uh, it wasn't a oh, pun. That was love. That was the nicest <laughs> unintentional pun. <laughs> the, it was just, oh no, they're both dead in the swimming pool. Yeah. My Twitter username, at TV. I mentioned Gary's earlier. Unless I've edited it out, I'll say it again. At the Gary send, Show. Send him your uh, loves Matt's, and your greats. Plus, if you're new to this podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or subscribe via YouTube, YouTube. where Matt is painstakingly going through our previous reviews. Yes, 2015 is all up there now. putting them on uh, p- review by review of some yeah. of the biggest shows. Facebook.com for TV. Are we not doing a pick of the week? I suppose there's not much to, to choose um, from. It's kind of, yeah, pick your pick. You've seen The Next Unforgotten, yes. so I suppose you'll want I'll, that. I'll, I'll you? say The Next Unforgotten, which doesn't go in the direction you think it will go from that final scene. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't work Both. it out. That's not an answer. No. And, and, I, <laughs> and I will go. No, it's not an answer. I will go uh, like I did last week. No offence, we need to champion this show. We need to make sure that it gets at least one more outing on Channel 4. One more viewer. Uh, <laughs> one, yeah, one more viewer. That's about all they'll get from this podcast. Uh, 9 o'clock Wednesday, Channel 4, Unforgotten. Thursday at 9 on ITV. Join us next time where Gary may be here, he may not. I'd have been to Broadchurch screening 
Matt will have hung out uh, in the presence of Jeff Pope again. And how Sharon Smith. No, again. she's not there. She's not there. Oh, she's not? Oh. No. But how many times will you have been in the company of Jeff Four? Pope now? The first, just... the first time that I haven't been in both Sheridan and Jeff's company at the same time. Well, you know... Because it was Mrs. Biggs, Silla, that thing they did at Edinburgh, and, mm-hmm. and then this. But they were together for all of those, so it would be weird yeah, seeing one without the other. There. So, yeah, we should have some reporting back uh, to do from there. As I say, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, if you wish... And uh, YouTube, <laughs> subscribe there, youtube.com forward slash the Custard TV. What's the next thing? What's the other? What aren't we on yet? Uh, what aren't we on? Vine's gone now, hasn't Vine's it? Vine's gone. Yeah, we should have done seven second podcasts. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, the one thing we don't promote, we promote all the social media stuff. We should say the custardtv.com what's is that, home Luke? of it all. Luke, what's that? The website again? Oh, yeah, um, it's www.thecustardtv.com. Um, that is it. We will join you again Yay. soon to talk more telly and possibly film. I'll see how that goes down. Bye-bye. Movies, games and videos. You remember that show? Bye-bye. <laughs> Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing... Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.